Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning, friends. My name is Martha, and I am the interim released minister at this time at West Hills, and we're so glad to have you here. I say that because, uh, yes, we're very glad to have you here. I say my name because there are many faces I've not met. Oh, and some faces I've not seen in a long time. <laughs> Welcome to church. Um, also, I'm a pilgrim, and so are we all. And here's, I mean, all of it, right? Um, when I came to this joint of a community place, uh, I, got, I was told, I was asked, I, you know, introduced to the uh, legend that is Easter at West Hills. And so for months I've been agonizing about this. And, um, but there were a couple things that I knew uh, as, as these months have been passing. One was when I saw these banners in a coffee shop, that they mattered. And we are an art place, and so I'm not going to tell you how they matter, but you get to. And then I thought about these, and they mattered. Uh, and I also don't have a reason or a time designated for when these matter, so... That's what we do here, though. Welcome. Um, I wonder if you remember when you first were learning your first language, your native language. Uh, if it was the way I learned English, there were rounds and rounds of spelling tests, and then it became vocab tests, and you had to use the vocab word in a sentence to show that you knew what it meant. Not, um, man, look at that conflagration, but, because the teacher would see through that, but like, <laughs> you had to use the word in a context that showed that you knew what it meant. Uh, and so, and I mean, well, that's been a thing that's pursued me through my spirituality and my faith walk. And it's ironic today to be here on Easter Sunday, the day where how much more is there to say, how much has been said, what, how is the new, what's the new thing to say this time, how can we say it better, how can we say it more clearly or more descriptively, the things we believe or the things that we know. Um, but this was the posture I took into seminary, that I didn't want to learn giant words just so I could define them. Like, they had to matter in real life. They had to show up in real time. And certainly not jargon. Jargon started to make my ears hurt and my heart hurt. 
But by the end of school, by the end of seminary, I was out of words. Because how impossible is it to just keep talking about the thing that you're supposed to be doing? And isn't that the case for so many things? The theory only goes so far, the answers only go so far. And then there are all these experiences that take us beyond words. Experiences of joy, experiences of grief. Into the realm of beyond words, where to be the most honest, we might not be able to express them with words. And like I say, here now today, it's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day. And I was told that on Easter, the sermon would tell itself. You just read the text, and well, there you go, it's so obvious. <laughs> and I thought, but does it? Does it tell itself? Because every, everything we do is an interpretive act. And the way we talk about the death, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ is loaded with interpretation. And I know that in this room, we have a load of interpretations. And I don't know, honestly, uh, what happened those three days. I wasn't around 2,000 years ago. But scholars and theologians have worked for centuries to figure out what transpired during and through Jesus' death and resurrection. There are a dozen theories, more than a dozen a lot more than the one I was raised with. Some of the theories are problematic, some are convoluted, some are even painful, but some of the theories are beautiful and compelling, and they smell like life, and they smell like truth. And even as I use the word smell, you know that that's not what I mean, but you also know what I mean, right? Some of the compelling ones compelling explanations of why Christ would die and how Christ rose again are captured in this ground where love is the source, love is the end, love is the method. That's something I can live into. Not words I have to define like expiation. Uh, and there's this whole other branch of theology called apophatic theology. Apophatic, that which is beyond words, that which we can't state. And as soon as we do state something, we're missing something. So as many things as we say about God, we are also limiting how we understand God. It's the beyondness. It's the so much true, so, so true, so much more true, so much more beyond what we can state. And that's everything I felt overwhelmed with coming into this day. And all of these categories overlap in Luke 24, our text for today. I'm not going to use the text that's what happened on the cross or what happened at the tomb. But I'm going to tell a story of some pilgrims on the road. Shocker. <laughs> in Luke 24 the same day that Christ had risen. Two of the disciples were making their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem, discussing all that had happened as they went. While they were discussing these things, Jesus approached and began to walk along with them, though they were kept 
from recognizing Jesus, who asked them, what are you two discussing as you go your way? They stopped and looked sad. One of them asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened these past few days? Jesus said to them, what things? They said about Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet, powerful in word and deed, in the eyes of God and all the people, how our chief priests and leaders delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. We were hoping that he was the one who would set Israel free. Besides all this, today, the third day since these things happened, some women of our group have just brought us some astonishing news. They were at the tomb before dawn and didn't find the body. They returned and informed us that they had seen a vision of angels who declared that Jesus was alive. Some of our number went to the tomb and found it to be just as the women said, but they didn't find Jesus. Side note, what was Jesus doing at this point? Just like... (laughs) (laughs) Curious how you feel that. Then Jesus said to them, what little sense you have, how slow you are to believe all that the prophets have announced. Didn't the Messiah have to undergo all this to enter into glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted for them every passage of scripture which referred to the Messiah. By now they were near the village where they were going to, and Jesus appeared to be going further. But they said eagerly, stay with us, it's nearly evening, the day is practically over. So the Savior went in and stayed with them. Side note, this resembles, if he's like walking past them and they call out, that resembles when God passed Moses, and that's when Moses got to see. Anyway, sitting down with them to eat, Jesus took bread, said the blessing, then broke the bread and began to distribute it to them. With that, their eyes were opened, and they recognized Jesus, who immediately vanished from their sight. They said to one another, weren't our hearts burning within us as this one talked to us on the road? Weren't our hearts burning within us? I love that in this text, the disciples are saying, everything's gone wrong. And Jesus' response is, no, everything's come true. It's upside down. It's not the way you see it. It's something else beyond what you see. And they know it. I wonder if they were more convinced by the argument of the, where Christ was in passages that referred to the Messiah or whether it was their conviction, their, when they were compelled, their hearts burning within them. Here's what we know, or at least believe, or at least hope on my good days, and maybe you're with me, that resurrection is the promise of life beyond death. Like Mark said, that death doesn't get the last word, death doesn't win. I see in the way Christ lived, died, and rose again, that he breaks the cycle of violence, of finding someone to blame and scapegoat. He ends the rule of law and brings in a kingdom of grace. And the story that we've been spending time with over the last several weeks of the prodigious father of two lost sons and how that father welcomed home his younger... Did it go on, Anna? welcomed home his younger son. This image uh, was painted by a friend of mine, Andrew Watson. He titled it Jubilee, or The Prodigal Son Returns. 
but there are people on stilts and on a trapeze and balloons and uh, they all have hearts. It's also named the Heart Party. I think it's got like three names. Um, I mean, but how many names can you give this thing? Like you can't stop when you're compelled by something so what it is that seizes you and changes your life and upends everything and unravels everything from the inside out. And all of a sudden, none of the terms and conditions apply anymore. None of the words quite fit right. And there's no more behaving right or measuring up. It's just plain love. So what more is there to say today that we get to practice resurrection? Part of me was like, it's not worth trying to say anything else because so much has already been said. But that's the point we have today to practice resurrection. We get to make another attempt. We get to live into it today. We get to see what it shows up like. And that takes me back to the sentences in vocab English class when we were kids. What is the context that your life is writing? How is resurrection transforming you? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast. <laughs>